Welcome back to Sound Insight. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you, and I praise you for the gift of consecration. Thank you for that gift of dedicating ourselves to you freely, completely, and forever. Father, we do that today in Jesus' name. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be richly at work in our lives. Lord, help us to call upon the great mystery and ministry of the communion of saints, these great saints in heaven that we long day, one day long to join. Lord, we do love you, but we want to love you more. We want to express our dedication to you with greater fervor, with greater clarity, with greater courage. May the saints be for us an inspiration. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, my family and I have spent a number of occasions out at ocean shores, right there on the Pacific Ocean, Grays Harbor, uh, out past Aberdeen. And I am so excited to announce that as of yesterday, actually it might have been on Sunday night when it began, but uh, Sacred Heart Radio now has a station, a station, two stations, an AM station and an FM station that are heard out, uh, out in ocean shores. I'm very excited about that. So let me make sure we correctly welcome everyone. I wanna welcome folks listening on AM 1450, and FM 103.5. Welcome to all of you joining in in the Catholic Radio for the Northwest family of stations here on Sacred Heart Radio. So all of you folks out in Grace Harbor, whether it's in Ocean Shores, Aberdeen, Hoquiam, or whatever uh, the surrounding areas are, we love having you here and we're excited to have you join this beautiful footprint that Sacred Heart Radio is making across the state of Washington. Um, if you've not heard me before, uh, my name is Dr. Tom Curran. I am a Catholic theologian and have been part of the local production of Sacred Heart Radio programming. You'll get to know some of the local programming that happens as well as the national programming that gets fed into Sacred Heart Radio. And my program is Sound Insight, heard Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 in the morning. It's rebroadcast at 9 in the evening. And I, like I said, you're already in my heart if you are in the Ocean Shores area. One of the important founding families of Sacred Heart Radio were very generous in opening up a home they had out in Ocean Shores for families to come and stay. And we took them up on that. Um, at least on one occasion, if not on two occasions, and have some beautiful memories of walking the beach uh, and uh, just in the in the Ocean Shores area, and then uh, making it um, a little bit further north as well. Uh, one or two times, our family had a chance to go stay at Seabrook, Washington, where you can um, rent a home and uh, have this room for many folks and. Um, we did that on on a few occasions, um, like just getting an Airbnb or a Verbo, whatever use we used. But Seabrook was a place we went a couple of times, and we had some uh, a couple of family gatherings as well, where several of Carrie's family members would gather with us and 
there's one sort of infamous reunion, and this, this actually gets to the theme of today. So, folks, this is not my enduring memory of Ocean Shores and Hoquiam and Aberdeen, or Seabrook for that matter. I have all of the beautiful memories, but the infamous one was related to a family reunion we had, and it goes to the to the concept of what spreads, what spreads, and if you've ever been around a stomach flu, stomach flu spread. <laughs> in very nasty ways and it's one of those things where uh, you learn you learn as you as you get older if your kids have the stomach flu you stay away from other families for a time and it just happened that uh, there was a lingering effect of uh, stomach flu that uh, ended up they, there were a couple of carriers that arrived at the family reunion and it was so interesting well it wasn't interesting to go through but to watch the way that this this stomach bug started to be passed from one to another to another then it was this couple and then these kids and then this family and then it was kind of ants scattering for the hills at that point um and it was amazing how something that at the surface level at the visible level everything was fine but apart from people wanting it apart from people like realizing what was going on things just started to spread and when they spread well it was almost impossible to stop the spread after that so i think it took us about a day of undergoing it and where one then the other then the other got sick and eventually i got sick and i said we we are going to be down for the count unless we get in the car and go. So we had to pack up and go. And I remember the that van trip. We At that point, we had a 12-passenger van and all the kiddos, so the nine kiddos in the van. And I thought, how am I going to make it home? And somehow I made it home that long ride, and it was, it was just... <laughs> was devastation in the current home for a day or two while the stomach bug made its way through through the family and um, I share that because um, it, it it for me is is a great analogy for faith that faith is not like it, it's it's not a sick stomach virus but it's the opposite it's it's a healthy it's a life-giving, um, it's a life-giving, radiant, um, uh, it's, uh, it's contagious, it spreads. It's something that can invade and infect in a positive way uh, others in the family and the kids that are around you. And it's, it's something that we as parents, we ought to be paying attention to really significantly, in a very serious way, we have to pay attention to the idea that there are these, uh, these hidden, subtle, let's call, I'm putting the word virus in quotes because I'm not talking about COVID and things like that. I'm talking about viruses in our attitudes, Vir viral ways of seeing things that once they infect someone else once they infect a group then that group 
can quickly become converted by, can have a very deep impact felt upon them by the others that have been so infected. And so I take this very seriously when I think about St. John Paul II, and he, when he talks about the renewal that the Second Vatican Council had intended, this renewal of faith was not, first of all, a renewal associated with doctrine. Um, it, because doctrine can be something that is just memorized in a class. It can simply be taught as good information, correct information, updated information. But rather, he talks about it as, as a truth that, like a virus, but again, think of this in a healthy way, right? A positive way. Is something that will infect, it will be, in, he, the word he uses, inserted, that the truth comes to be implanted in consciousness. Consciousness is a John Paul II word. It's a word that comes from his philosophical method, which is called phenomenology. Right, The content of his philosophy is deeply Thomistic, but his method is phenomenological. So it draws from a more contemporary at his time, a contemporary mode of philosophizing. And in that mode of philosophizing, the category of awareness or consciousness is a big deal. It has to do with how we see things. And it's not as if that is apart from our tradition, right? Scripture, when, when Scripture talks about conversion, there's uh, the deepest form of conversion, metanoia, uh, that Greek word metanoia, is referring to a change of mind, a change of mind. And, and I could put in the word consciousness there. It's a, a conversion in how I see. So, for instance, the younger son in the parable of the um, um, the parable of the of the prodigal son, the prodigal son who takes his share of the inheritance while his father's still alive, goes and wastes it on dissolute living. He spends it living a sinful life and ends up in a setting in a situation that would be shameful and considered unclean by the Jewish people. He's working in the midst of pigs. But it's there in the pigsty that he experiences conversion, a change of mindset, a change of how he saw himself. And it re references that. It references that in, in, the, in the passage in Luke 15, that it says, in the pigsty, he came to himself. He came to himself. He saw himself in a new way. He was, if you will, infected with the truth of his situation. He came to see, it came to see in a new way, I have a father. Remember, what happens in the pigsty? <gasps> I have a father. I'm going to go home to my father. I'm going to say that I don't deserve to be your son. I'm going to throw myself at his feet. I'm going to cry out for mercy just to be a slave, to be treated better than where I'm at now. You see, he came to himself, he saw, and that was a gift of grace. That's where conversion happened. 
conversion happened in the pigsty. And and then, as you know, the rest of the story, he goes home and he's received, he's welcomed, and he's restored to his status as a child of the Father and is celebrated. So St. John Paul II, in his philosophical reflection, or theological reflection coming out of the Second Vatican Council, being charged as an archbishop, the Archbishop of Krakow in Poland, with the task of implementing the Second Vatican Council, where he was a significant voice with his theological uh, acumen and his philosophical understanding, uh, to bring a, an understanding of how are we going to foster conversion, how are we going to foster conversion in association with the content of the Second Vatican Council, this rich content. And so in the very first part of the book, in the very first part, he treats that theme that before we get into all the content and he breaks it down categorically and, and references all these different quotes in the different sections as a wonderful catechesis, he starts with this reference to it's the mindset. It's the conversion of how you see. It's that conversion of awareness. It's that conversion of consciousness that if we get that right, then you know what's going to happen? What's going to flow from the truth being inserted into consciousness? That whole new way of seeing is going to be a whole new way of relating to life. He calls that an attitude. And so it's fostering new attitudes in believers, new attitudes that flow from that new awareness and those new attitudes, those, news way, those, those new ways of relating to one's life that will lead to new behaviors, new actions. And so his, his call to the church in his book, um, in his book on, it's called Sources of Renewal, it's on implementing the teaching of the Second Vatican Council. He says, first of all, don't just focus on behaviors, because boy, isn't it easy as parents, and even in our own lives, to focus for, first on our behaviors? Well, what am I doing? Let me change how, what I'm doing. If I change my behavior from doing this to doing that, then I'm experiencing conversion. I've got a new behavior. And that new behavior is like a new habit. If I keep changing my behaviors, then that's gonna ultimately lead to conversion. And John Paul II doesn't say, that being how you are follows action. But he says, first focus on who you are and flowing from that will follow new action. Action follows being. Oh yes, being follows action, but action follows being. So let's begin with the priority being given to welcoming this truth into the heart and let that give rise to a new way of living life. So. I'm going to continue to pick up on this theme in really beautiful, important ways for us today. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. Today I'm talking about, well, a special time. It's a, it's a special moment of grace, I believe, for, for me and for um, several members of my family that are undertaking a consecration a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to our Blessed Mother, through a book called 33 Days to Morning Glory, Father Michael Gately. You might be familiar with it. It's a book that came out, uh, let's see, over, it was a number of years ago, probably 10 years ago, maybe a little less than that. 
But when it first came out, or or maybe within a year or two after it came out, Carrie and I did a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We did the 33 Days to Morning Glory, and it was something that um, uh, I had done. I'll, well, I'll talk more about that later. Um, and it's something that my daughter, Mary Grace, said, hey, I want to do this. I want to begin on the Feast of St. Anthony of Padua. That was yesterday. And end on the Feast of a Lady Mount Carmel, which is July 16th. So 33 days, let's go, let's do this. So Carrie and I agreed to do it. Um, she's going to do it. And John Mark is doing it. And we're going to see if we can get some tag-alongs, some drag-alongs, and other family members also joining us in this act of consecration. Fascinating things happen when you make a decision, a commitment, when you respond to a prompting, a call to undertake a, a path that will lead to greater holiness. Um, I'll talk about that too. <laughs> I Let me finish my reflection from the first part of the program where we all want to grow in conversion. We want our kids to grow in conversion. And uh, how do we do that? Well, one of the most powerful ways is... Uh, by getting a healthy infection, a viral infection of sanctity, of godliness, of holiness. And that will happen so powerfully with young people when they are with other kids, other young people that are walking that same path, that are striving to live that same path. It's so important. It's it's something that we hear about, we maybe think about a little bit, but as parents, we often underestimate, maybe especially with our first kids. Um, what I mean is that um, we hear when our kids are younger that parents have the primary influence in their kids' lives until, until what? Some people say teen years, others will say tween years. I think it depends partly on the personality and the life situation of the kids that are there. But at some point, in their tween or teen years, kids are, unless they're very sheltered, unless they're very, very sheltered, then it, it'll be a little bit later. Often, often then that can show up in, in unhealthy ways when they get out of the house and they have not had a chance to expand their sense of where am I taking my direction from? That's a different conversation. But let's just say in the, in the typical situations we have, um, kids emerging into that sense of self-awareness in their uh, tween and, and early teen years. And as they begin to get a sense of their own selves, uh, that I am an I, and I have this sense of my own identity, it becomes, um, it, it becomes um, distinct from, it's no longer immersed in my own family, where who I am is intimately, significantly, predominantly influenced by mom and dad, by parents, and by the, the life they live in the home. Kids take on the, their, their peers, their friends, their friend groups take on greater importance. You all know this, right? You, you've heard this, um, but what has been underestimated, and I think a lot of parents have been caught off guard, is the way in which it's not just kids influencing your kids. It's not just that, oh, I as a parent, I'm going to be a bit 
uh, alert and monitoring the fact that my kids are going to be hanging around with other peers and oh yeah they're going to influence them but these other kids are, are sort of like your kids right they're living um, to a degree sheltered lives and to a degree they are um, experiencing a lot of the same life that your kids are experiencing and the answer is where's that button hit the button hit the buzzer you have no idea what these kids are exposed to you have no idea who's actually influencing these kids because so many kids today are not finding their primary influence to be ultimately coming from their peers, but coming from influencers on social media, on social media platforms, through videos, live videos, through pictures, memes, through Snapchats and TikToks and uh, Instagram posts the pressures and the forces that are coming at your kids are not the, uh, the quasi-innocent influences from their peers, but the vile, degrading, diabolically orienting, evil influences of those who want to strip your kids away from God, away from faith, away from your beliefs about who God is, about what life is about, and they want to infiltrate and undermine and overthrow what your kids believe and install instead beliefs about marriage, sexual identity, about, um, about uh, sexual expression, and uh, about a myriad of other things that run completely counter to your beliefs and what's happening in these kids lives you have these false evil and diabolical ideas being sewn into their consciousness sewn into their awareness where they begin to be converted into a way of looking at life that is anti-god anti-faith anti-family and and the things that you believe and where's all that stuff coming from? Well, it's coming from your your kids' peers. Now, your kids' peers, you look at them and you're like, they're nice kids. What are you talking about? Well, those nice kids come armed with smartphones, uh, iPads. They come stick laptop computers, and you have no idea what's happening at sleepovers, at even you know team getaways. If they're on teams, how many of these kids, how many of these teens? have and younger kids have unfiltered unfettered access through their smartphones and the way it's impacting these kids the attitudes is traced back to how they're seeing things it's terrible it's a terrible thing and this is where parents have to up their game we have to up our game so much so intensively if we're going to help protect provide and defend our kids if you hear me talk a lot about classical schools, if you hear me talk a lot about um, you have to move if you, or you have to find your Egypt, you have to find your refuge against the, the forces that are going to slaughter your kids, that's because Catholic schools are not safe. They're not. Catholic parishes are not going to be a bulwark. That should be your expect expectation. If they are, it's an exception. It's an exception. It's not the rule. These Catholic schools that your kids are in right now, they're, if they're typical diocesan schools, they are not going to lead your kids to Christ. They're not. That's the total exception rather than the rule. 
And all you have to do is take a look at vocations that have come from these kids' lives. All you have to do is take a look at the statistics of how few kids end up practicing their faith. It is not, these are not effective means to fostering the Catholic faith that you want for your kids. They're just not. That's just reality, statistical, demographic reality. Anybody who disagrees, show me the numbers, show me the statistics, and show me the kids. I want to talk to these kids about how their faith has flourished and grown, the fullness of their Catholic faith in the typical Catholic schools. The only schools, really, the only schools that are producing kids who have a sense of desire for holiness, a desire for virtue, a desire for godliness as a group, as a group in the majority, it's just not even a question. It's classical faith-based schools, classical Christian schools, classical Catholic schools. That's why I promote them, because if they're focused intentionally on making disciples. You heard me talk about it. But I got to experience the beauty of that this past weekend. Um, my daughter Ariana graduated from the Oaks. You heard her on on Friday. She shared her senior speech, just two and a half minutes, and how, what did she say? She essentially said that her classmates, not all of them close, close friends of hers, but her classmates and the kids that were in the grades below that she was friends with, led her closer in her relationship to Jesus Christ. As a result of her friendships with these kids, she grew to know and love and desire to serve Jesus Christ more fully. That's fruit. That's fruit. It's something that we want for our kids, but we weren't getting that. When, our, when we were living on the West Side and our kids were at really the best Catholic school, Catholic high school in the, in the Archdiocese, Kennedy Catholic, it was. It's not anymore, and don't, please. If you want your kids to be Catholic, don't send your kids there. But the, um, the, what, what my daughter talked about and what we experienced was the evisceration of faith because of the culture, because of the culture. And now, in the midst of a different culture, at this school, I saw some of the most beautiful things. Like here, I, it just after, I'll, I'll just say one, one, one story that exemplifies things is, you remember high school graduation and then high school graduation parties? It was a big deal. Like, where are the parties gonna be? and. Uh, who are you going to get together with your group and, and you're going to go around to this house or that party. Uh, I, I remember that. And, and I wasn't a party guy in high school, but I, I remember that. Well, after graduation, the senior class kind of said, "Let's hey, let's have a party together in one location. It was at a church. <laughs> Ta-da! And what did they do? They had a DJ, one of the kids, a junior there, and they had parents teach swing dancing to kids. And guess what? It wasn't just the seniors that were there, but the seniors' families were there, the parents, the siblings. So here's my daughter at her high school graduation party. She's with her five younger siblings that go to the Oaks, all the way down to third grade, and her older sister, who's back from college, and she was having a delightful time, loving it. Okay, 
high school graduation party with parents, little siblings, learning swing dancing. There wasn't drinking. There wasn't vaping. There wasn't drugs. There wasn't fooling around. There wasn't sneaking around. There wasn't hooking up. There wasn't swearing. There wasn't nasty attitudes. There was laughter, joy, fun. That, that comes because of the positive infection, that positive viral experience of the truth of the gospel infecting in a healthy way mindsets and those mindsets leading to attitudes and those attitudes giving birth to behaviors you know that that's the hope for our our time that is the hope for our time and she as you know my daughter's heading off to the to the world race to do a year on mission and guess what two of the kids from her school are also doing that holy cow Three young people that are families at this school are sending off graduates into the mission field to proclaim Christ around the world in their year after graduation. How powerful is that? And and to just to think about like what do we want for our kids? That's what we want for our kids. We want our kids to to put the focus of their lives on Jesus Christ, on his sacred heart. And so I, I share that with you because it, it walks me into not only what do we want for our kids, but how can we do this, right? Because not everybody has an opportunity to send your kid to a classical faith-based school um, or, or to move, um, but you can find a refuge. How do you find a refuge with your kids? How do you find a refuge for your kids. Well, in our tradition, there are a number of beautiful practices that we can lean on and look to to help foster that sense of truth invading consciousness, truth coming to embed itself in how we see ourselves, jump all the second language, and let that give rise to a different attitude and a new behavior. Right, so consciousness, attitude, action. Right, how we see, how we relate, how we behave. You want the new behaviors? Let's come back to how we see. So, I, um, I I'm going to talk about in in the as the program comes. I'm coming up against a break here in, in just a minute. Um, when I when I come back, I'm going to talk about patron saints because of Saint Anthony of Padua. It's a nice background thing that happened in my life growing up. And I want to hand it on to you just as an encouragement in, in terms of your home to help foster a sense of seeing yourself in the light of God, in the light of faith, in the light of the church, in the light of the Catholic faith, in the light of um, the call to be a saint, right? So I'm going to talk about patron saints, in particular St. Anthony, because yesterday was his feast day. And, and so that's something that can impact your environment. And then talk about consecration. And in particular, consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Consecration to the Blessed Mother. As something that many saints have done and recommended, and that's that's a good recommendation. And just the differences made in my life and in Carrie in my marriage. As something that you can do, and, and yes, do with your kids as well. We'll talk about that in a minute on Sound Insight. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you. 
And once again, I am super excited to welcome to the program two new stations as part of the growing footprint of Sacred Heart Radio. Welcome to Grays Harbor. That's Aberdeen, Hoquiam, Ocean Shores. And that is, uh, you might be listening on AM 1450 or on FM 103.5. Ron Belter shared that good news with me on Sunday night saying we're live. And this is the first day that I'm on to be able to welcome you wonderful folks that are in those areas. Out in Aberdeen, Hoquiam, and Ocean Shores, and just that surrounding area, AM 1450, FM 103.5, Sacred Heart Radio. Now, you folks that go to Ocean Shores um, for vacation this summer, tune in. Tune in and listen in on 103.5 FM, 1450 AM. Sacred Heart Radio. It's a, it's a great blessing to be able to have the fullness of the faith, the fullness of our Catholic faith proclaimed on the airwaves at an ever wider footprint here in the state of Washington. Uh, Ron Belter, the president and general manager of Sacred Heart Radio, I asked him, hey, will you come on at some point and tell the story? Because there are stories behind all of the growth and expansion of stations here in Sacred Heart Radio. Uh, as part of the Sacred Heart Radio family of stations, it is so amazing uh, just to hear some of those stories of how God has grown Sacred Heart Radio beyond anything that Ron or the founding board members ever imagined it would be when they started one humble station over 20 years ago. And so it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a really, it's a glorious thing. And thanks be to God for that. So welcome to the Sacred Heart Radio family of listeners, you wonderful folks there in the western edge of the state of Washington. This is Tom Curran. And today in Sound Insight, I'm talking about ways in which we can foster a greater Catholic mindset in ourselves and our kids and let that have a viral effect, a positive, positive viral impact um, on our families' lives, on the lives of those that are around us, on the lives of those who come into our homes and those who are touched by our lives. I first want to recommend a practice that is, it's a, it's a, it's something that might not, it might sound very uh, concrete and practical, but it's actually quite relational. And it can become um, a living thing, a, a living reality for you. And that's patron saints, patron saints. So I grew up in a Catholic, Irish, and Italian home, especially the Italian uh, influence. Uh, my mom, very devout Catholic woman, grew up in a Catholic devout home, born in Italy, came here, and if you know anything about Italians, they have a great love for St. Anthony of Padua. And especially if you're from northern Italy, Padua is in northern Italy on the outskirts of Venice, uh, my mom had a, a, a dear, sweet devotion to St. Anthony of Padua. So when my dad started to court my mom and um, eventually was engaged and they were to be married. One of the one of the points of connection that um, she brought him to in the Catholic faith was a devotion to Saint Anthony. And so they talked about a. My mom has died. She died uh, four years ago, but they talked about. I remember this Saint Anthony novena. They made a novena to Saint Anthony 
prior to their uh, getting married. And it was one of those areas of our own faith formation that was um, visible in our home. So first it was the St. Anthony statue. So we had a St. Anthony statue that was, was in a place of honor in our yard. And we just grew up with St. Anthony in our yard. But St. Anthony didn't just stay outside. St. Anthony came inside. So St. Anthony came in our home, and he ended up being um, on the family wall of pictures. My mom loved to get family pictures, and as many families have, they have a wall of family photos. Well, St. Anthony wasn't just a small photo off in a corner. No, the largest picture on the family picture wall was this big framed uh, painting of St. Anthony holding the child Jesus. And there's a famous story of St. Anthony uh, in his friary where he was, there was an encounter where uh, there was another friar who passed by him and he was holding a, a young child in his arms and it was the child Jesus come to find out and it was the way in which the Lord, the Lord Jesus, was um, fostering in St. Anthony uh, a love, uh, a love for the Lord, a love for Jesus, and the approachability of Jesus loving him. Like how, how um, non-threatening, how accessible, how, I don't know, personal and in and, and, and a sense of... Um, affectionate is the love of a small child that wants to just snuggle in and you just want to encompass that child with with the warmth and affection and 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 that sense of care and when i think about the ways that the lord has drawn close to different saints often there's a sense of the bigness of of christ in a sense of overwhelming encounter with Christ. And I just, I love to compliment those stories of God's bigness, of God's inaccessibility. Right? Last Sunday was Trinity Sunday. And to focus on the, the greatest and highest of all mysteries, the infinite mystery of God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To be able to have as a counterpoint as a paradoxical uh, expression of the accessibility, the tenderness and nearness of the love of God. One of the more beautiful expressions of that that I think of in our tradition is St. Anthony holding in, in just a beautiful, warm way uh, the child Jesus. The, the the little child Jesus, and I'm gonna I'll come back to that because that's if you think well who else in our tradition would have had that experience yeah the Blessed Mother, so we'll talk about that in relationship to consecration, and uh, the idea of consecrating oneself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So here's 
here's this picture of St. Anthony on our family wall. And our family pictures, like high school graduation pictures and wedding pictures and maybe some special moments when they were younger, when our kids were, when I or my siblings were younger, all surrounded St. Anthony. And uh, and then there were other ways as well, whether it was holy cards, holy medals, uh, whether it was attending a novena ourselves to St. Anthony. There was this just beautiful sense of saying, we love St. Anthony, and St. Anthony is, in some ways, has an affection for us. Well, it got taken to another level in my regard because my middle name, yes, indeed, is Anthony, named after St. Anthony of Padua. So I have had a natural affinity for and affection for St. Anthony of Padua. And I have asked him for prayers since I was 18 in a, in a way that is regular. I don't want to say daily, but a regular sense of asking St. Anthony, would you pray for me? And it's more than just the lost objects prayer, which works, by the way. It works. Not magic formula, but it, it does work. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but this idea that you can place around your home these holy objects to create an environment, help foster an environment that says what? Kids, this is how you're supposed to see your life. This is how you see your family. You see your family somehow centering around Jesus. Jesus is the one who's accessible to us and around this beautiful saint who's connected to our family inside the home and outside the home and on our very being and in my own name. There's a way in which, you know, St. Anthony loves me. He knows me. He is praying for me in a way that's affectionate and tender. And to be able to come to know that, it's more than just like objects on walls, right? It's not just something that's concrete. It's something that can take flesh. It's something that can be very warm uh, tender. I love that sounds gentle. I know that there are many listening who would benefit from a greater depth of encounter with the gentle, tender love of Jesus Christ for you. Maybe that's a sign. Maybe that's a signal. Maybe that's an impetus for you to turn to St. Anthony. To St. Anthony of Padua, Maybe this is a year for you to discover him and through his beautiful, sweet intercession, the tender love of Jesus for you and how he will come close to you as well. Back in a minute with more Sun Insight. Welcome back to Sun Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today talking about ways in which we can foster a, a deeper Catholic mindset in our kids, in ourselves, and as a way of creating a, a good a good viral impact, a good viral impact on the kids that are around us, on the families that are around us, um, that foster attitudes and behaviors that will protect them from harm and danger and lead them to life. And so that, for me, is very beautiful. Well, there's another way I'm going to focus on right now, and it's something that will accompany me, and I'll share tidbits of the story. I probably won't do it every day. And that's the concept of consecration. Uh, and I'm not talking about the consecration of the hosts at Mass, but that 
actually provides a neat entry point into understanding the concept of consecration as a devotional expression in our Catholic tradition. So uh, I'm going to talk about consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And that is a, um, uh, it is a powerful devotion that has been recommended for centuries. And it is a way of expressing, remember that word tender and gentle, a sense of gentle and yet also fervent devotion to the greatest of patron saints, the Blessed Mother. Um, so the Blessed Mother, our Mother Mary, is one who is here to pray for us. She is called by a number of saints the mediatrix of all graces. If Jesus is the head of the body, Mary, the Blessed Mother, is like the neck. So Jesus is the cause or the source of all grace, but all grace that comes from the head goes through the neck to reach the body. So the Blessed Mother is not the cause, but she's like the funnel. <laughs> and so you can have the petitions coming through her to the head and then from her graces going to the body. Okay, so like that analogy or not, the idea of consecration of oneself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, what is that all about? And how can that play a part in our growth as disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, as I just alluded to, we're members of the body of Christ. And I also referenced the fact that we have just recently celebrated this beautiful solemnity of Trinity Sunday. And when theologians reflect on the reality of heaven, they say in the end, there will be two great mysteries, the mystery of the Trinity and the mystery of the communion of saints. And if you ponder for a moment, those are related mysteries, three persons in one God, three persons in perfect, infinite, eternal communion, who created redeemed and sanctified by elevating their create uh, the creation that's us create all of the all of our these creatures into divine life the share of the life of god and we share in that life as beings created in the image of god elevated into sonship into being sons and daughters of god so we too have this communion of persons in this communion of saints and we have a created share in the uncreated communion of the Blessed Trinity. So there's a way in which this concept of the communion of saints is something that we are having a foretaste of. We get a bit of a, a share in right here and now on earth by being in communion with each other. We can pray for each other, support each other, encourage each other, hold each other accountable. We can also be connected with the church suffering the church in purgatory uh, by praying for them, for their, uh, their, their perfect uh, cleansing and, and preparation for them to enter into heavenly glory. But we can also look to the great saints, the saints that have been identified by the church as canonized, as standards for us regarding how they lived and honored the Lord in their lives, that they are great intercessors for us because they are doing what the head of the body, Christ, is doing. Christ, our one great intercessor with the Father, has joined 
his body in that great act. So all the great saints are joining in through, with, and in him, the great act of interceding. The first among them is the Blessed Mother. So we look to the Blessed Mother, we look to Mary, not as a counterpoint or as a a competitor with Jesus. No, all of the intercession that the Blessed Mother offers is to her son and through her son and in her son, just like all the other saints. And so when we have great saints recommend this idea, this action of consecrating ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, into the hands of our Blessed Mother. What's happening there? What is that all about? And is that something that would be dishonorable to Jesus and somehow dishonoring to God? Well, it's it's actually precisely the opposite. Because if you stop and ask yourself, to whom did God entrust himself? To whom did the Father and trust the Son? And it, it's clear and obvious, the answer is Mary, the Blessed Mother. Which we hear it, and in in the fact that we're not astounded by it should just blow us away. <laughs> that the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-perfect triune God, uh, the second person of this Blessed Trinity, wills to become man, to become one of us, doesn't just appear, doesn't just walk out of a cave, doesn't just come down from a high mountain, doesn't just um, mysteriously appear in the midst of everyone and say, I'm God and I'm here, but chooses to enter the world through the womb, through the body of a woman, a teenager, a teenage girl, and is born into this world as a helpless, completely dependent little baby. And you stop and say, well, whom did God choose to entrust himself? Yeah, that would be the Blessed Mother. And so when God chose to come to us, when Jesus chose to come to us, he entrusted himself freely, completely, and perfectly into the hands, into the womb of Mary, into the, into, the, into the womb of the Blessed Mother. And it was through her that he came to the world. Okay? What about us? When we are going to come to Jesus... How do you think he's going to relate to the idea that we would come to him through the hands and the heart and the intercession of the mother, that same mother, through which he came to us? And so, in a beautiful way, consecration, the act of setting oneself apart and trusting oneself fully, is a Christ act. It's, it's, a, it's an imitation of Christ action. And so 33 Days to Morning Glory, this book written by Father Mike, Michael Gately, takes the concept of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, a devotion that in a, in a very particular way was promoted by St. Louis de Montfort. St. Louis de Montfort, uh, a, a great saint whose most famous work is called True Devotion to Mary. 
in which he promotes and, and draws out the examples of saints and the powerful way in which entrusting oneself into the hands of the Blessed Mother will advance one on the road to holiness more quickly, more safely, more securely, uh, will advance one on the path of holiness uh, more fully, and will, uh, will yield and bear more fruit in one's own living. That when you strive to approach the Lord through entrusting oneself into the hands of the Blessed Mother, you will find that you arrive at that sense of communion and connection and communication with the Lord Jesus more fruitfully, more faithfully, and more completely. And so that in very brief terms is what is the outcome of a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The way of accomplishing it is there's not like, oh, you have to do it this way or it doesn't work. But what Father Michael Gately does is he breaks up the content of the traditional way of um, consecrating oneself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and breaks it up into a 33-day journey. And so I mentioned to you at the very beginning of the program, this is a journey that I'm taking along with my wife, Carrie, and our daughter, Mary Grace, who brought it to us. She's our oldest daughter, 22. And uh, our son, John Mark, is also joining us on this journey. Like I said, we're going to drag along some of the other kids. So I'll dip into our experience of it um, as we go forward. And uh, it, and it'll be, I think it'll be a very interesting journey because it'll highlight certain themes of discipleship. So there you go. All right, up against the end of my program. God bless your day.